From the 1011 Now streaming studio in Lincoln, Nebraska, this is the End Report. Hello, everyone. Bill Rentschler alongside Sports Director Kevin Suits in the 1011 Now streaming studio, another edition of the End Report Husker Show. Had to do another show after what we had happen last night. Yeah, don't bury the lead. Let's get right to uh, it. Right to it. Uh, Nebraska men's basketball, Fred Hoiberg and, and crew take down number one Purdue. Uh, 88-72. Did you see it coming? No. I, you know, joked to Matt, our producer Matt, that we were going to lose by 40 points. And... Ye of little Fred. I know. You know Fred Hoiberg, they, they play Purdue close at home. They did. I remember that In last West year. In West Lafayette, it's a different story. Yes. But if you remember the game in 2023, 2022, it was a December game. Uh, Nebraska took them to overtime, and they were right there with them. Uh, and then last night happens, Rink Mass scores the first seven points for Nebraska, led most of the game. And, in fact, the Huskers had an 11-point lead at halftime, never trailed in the second half. All results in an 88-72 win over the number one ranked team in the country. That's not just a one at the buzzer game. Mm, that was a, a convincing, in-control-in-the-second-half game. And Fred Hoiberg and his team seem pretty poised. I, their confidence, Bill, really struck me that they came to play and they, they felt they could win the game, and they did. They did not get bullied by Purdue. You know, you wondered was Zach Eady, 7'4", 300-some pounds, and Rink Mast threw his shoulder straight into Zach Eady's chest. And they made, him, they made him struggle. He only had two points in the first half. He finished with 15, but it was a pretty quiet 15 points from Zach Eady. Well, it helps when you shoot 61% from beyond the arc. And Nebraska's three-point shooting was not just Casey Tominaga. C.J. Even Wilcher. though he finished with 19 points, mm-hmm. C.J. Wilcher, Bryce Williams, Josiah Alec even hit a three. <laughs> Rink Mast did a few threes. So they were on. I think Nebraska, if they play like that, I don't care if it's Purdue, Arizona, Kentucky, throw any top-ranked team out there. Nebraska was going to win on that night. Mm-hmm. And you have the court storming video playing right now. Obviously, the video quality is not the greatest there because there were a thousand cell phones being used on the court at the time. Um, we do have better video quality of yes. that, that we will show you yes. on the news tonight. Yes. Uh, but it was wild and intense, and it's pretty amazing. I mean, again, you've been covering sports for a long time. Have you ever witnessed, do you think, anything like that last night? In terms well, of, I, for Nebraska athletics specifically, do you think? Well, I was trying to think of how many court stormings I've covered. And because they are insanely challenging as a videographer. Yeah. So, to put you in my POV, as the kids <laughs> say, my point of view, I was sitting on the baseline shooting video of the game. And then those final seconds are ticking down. And as it's at about 30 seconds, I'm not on my behind. I've got, I'm in the one knee pose. I'm mm, ready to run. Ready to go. Because there's two things you do when the fans are going to rush the floor. You either stay back and you just keep that camera wide and you, you do that. The shot that everybody sees yeah. on the highlights yeah. where everybody runs in from you know the wide angle shot. Or you go in and when you go in, you better get to the middle first. Otherwise, you're just not going to have a good shot. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and watch the video... When Kase Tomonaga and Rank Mast and Josiah Alec are jumping around pretty much on the logo at midcourt, I'm right there. there you and go. I got the camera on the shoulder, 
and then within a matter of milliseconds, there are hundreds of people all around you. <laughs> They're banging your shoulder. The camera's wobbling everywhere. You're just hoping to stand your ground. And, you know, if you want to move left and the crowd's jumping right, you got to go right. Mm. You know, And you're just looking for any of the players to try to get video. For me, it was like, Oh, there's Rink Mast. He was about three people away, and he's pointing to the sky, and you know he's got his hands over his face, like, oh, my goodness. So I'm in that moment. One, I'm sweating like crazy because there's just a mass of people right there. Oh, yeah. Secondly, I'm trying to operate the camera. And thirdly, you, you kind of have this feeling of like, oh, there's Rink. Look at his uh, reaction to this. And then you see Casey, you're like, oh, my goodness, Casey, that's an awesome uh, piece of video. And then you see Sam Hoiberg, and Hoiberg's jumping around, and the, the selfies that are being taken and the people that are filming video, it, it, it is chaos. Pure, unadulterated chaos. And to be 100% honest, it's been quite a while since we've had to do that mm-hmm. in terms of covering Nebraska basketball. In mm-hmm. fact, it was 2018 under 10 miles, when Nebraska beat Michigan at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Um, so there haven't been a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I have experienced some, so I could bring <laughs> a little bit of that expertise. So it was the recall system in that, in that moment of, all right, how, how do we do this in terms of operating the camera and then getting ready for our coverage on the 10 o'clock newscast, which we had the highlights, we had the court storming, and then, of course, we had Juwan Gary join us for a one-on-one interview during our newscast, and uh, he couldn't wipe that smile off of his face. <laughs> I don't think any of, uh, any Husker fans uh, could wipe it off their face last night either. I had to watch it on a delay, and I had paused it like at halftime. had to put the kids to bed. And then by the time I got back to it and pulled it up on my phone, it was just to see a red on the court. And I'm like, well... You missed the second half. I, I know what happened, but then I got to go back and watch the second half. It was exciting, Bill. And, and I will say, the crowd was interesting. That's not a negative. There's not a negative innuendo there, and there's not positive there. It was interesting in, in that, you know, the upper section, there were empty seats. Yeah, students are on break. that's not surprising. Students are on break. Yeah. The weather was not good. Mm-hmm. And for some folks that were traveling, it was going to be pretty challenging. Mm-hmm. And I, understood, I, I heard that the Peacock... Uh, announcers' mics were hot at some point, and we, Robbie Hummel or the play-by-play guy made a comment about the crowd was disappointing. Hmm. But for the folks that were there, they got into it. It was loud, and it got really loud, especially in the second half. And my ears were ringing at one point, and it seemed like as the game wore on, the energy in the building continued to rise. And there was a moment, and I was asked about this on the radio this morning. When did the, we hope this is going to happen, to, oh my goodness, this is going to happen. And you could point to about three or four, three or four different instances in the second half. For me, it was Josiah Alex 3. Because that was an indication that everything's going in. Mm-hmm. And when those shots went in... It meant that the dry spell wasn't coming. Mm-hmm. And it's something that has plagued Nebraska in big games for over a decade. Going six or seven minutes without yes. a bucket, without a point. Because Purdue, they'd be down 11. And it seemed like Nebraska had control of the game, but you would get a bucket inside and then maybe back-to-back threes. And all of a sudden, an 11-point lead is down to five or four or whatever. But the Huskers had a response every single time. And I'll share this story with you real quick, too. There was a moment in the second half. Jamarcus Lawrence, he did not have his best game at Nebraska. But he made a defensive mistake. And then he started to walk toward the bench. Just He had a frustrated look on his face. And one of the assistant coaches got up out of his seat, 
walked over right to Jamarcus and, and he said, no, no, we're, we're not doing this. And it was just, for me, that meant a lot. Like, that, mm-hmm. that struck me in that they did not want any negative energy to creep in. They didn't want their confidence shaken internally. And they just had the right mindset, the right game plan, the way Nebraska took Zach Eady out of the game. It's hard to say that when a guy still scores 15. But when you're 7-4 and you can get putbacks pretty much at will, mm-hmm. he's going to score 10 to 20 pretty naturally. Yeah. But he never got into a rhythm offensively. When he got the ball on the block, there's a guy behind him and they're flying somebody else at him. And it forced him to pass the ball. Um, and I could tell, like, Zach Eady was getting frustrated too. Mm-hmm. And I would confidently say the day after that Rank Mast outplayed the National Player of the Year from 2023, Zach Eady. He finished. I, I'm going re- to repeat that because it's almost so hard to believe. Yeah. Rank Mast outplayed the 2023 National Player of the Year, Zach Eady. He had finished with 18 points, four rebounds, three assists, one steal. Rank, that, that, those are Rink's numbers. Those are Rink's numbers. Tell me his shooting percentage. He was eight for seventeen, so just a clip, just a shy under fifty percent. Made eight field goals. What did he do from three? From three, it's two for five. Made two threes. Yeah. Rink scored Nebraska's first seven points. That's the guy who was being guarded by the national player of the year. Scored the first set, and I think that that set the tone. Yeah. And Fred Hoiberg told us before the game that this start was going to be so important because that's what Purdue does. They jump on teams quickly. And then they just play from ahead. Mm -hmm. That's what they did to Illinois last Friday. And Illinois is a top-10 team, but they made them play catch-up throughout. And against a team like Purdue, it's hard to make up ground. Mm -hmm. But Nebraska got in front. Now, granted, Purdue at one point had a five-point lead after a Fletcher Lawyer three, put them up 24-19. But again, the Huskers flipped it. They went on a 13-0 run to close the half. And that was important because that let the, the fans that were there, when they were going to the concession stands or hitting the bathrooms, they're all saying, oh, my goodness, we got an 11-point lead on the number one team. Well, because on a night like that, when it's how cold it was, the snow, if you're down 20 at halftime, you're probably losing half the arena at halftime. And that, that was not the case. And I thought Sam Hoiberg in that 13-0 run with Casey Tominaga, I thought Sam Hoiberg played his best game of the season. He... Stole the ball a couple times, a couple fast break layups, hit a couple threes. And again, he's just is that spark plug off the bench. You realize this time last year, Sam Hoiber was basically playing mop-up minutes? Yeah. And when Nebraska, when, when they got hot at the end of last season, it's when they had a few injuries. Mm-hmm. A couple of things happened where Sam got inserted into the lineup. And he really found his place. Mm-hmm. And he became the fan favorite Sam Hoiberg. And why do fans love him, Bill? Because he works hard. You can he's tell a, he, he high effort. Yes. And... Everybody identifies with that. You think about some of those Nebraska football mm-hmm. players that are fan favorites. Are they the most talented? No. Not always. Give 120%. Some of those fullbacks who love to just mm-hmm. go light up a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Well, Sam Hoiberg is kind of like that on the, the basketball court. He will make the hustle plays. He's an aggressive defender. He looks to jump a passing lane. And when he hit a corner three at the end of the first half, it's like, all right, we got our contribution from Sam offensively. Like, you don't expect a whole lot from him in that regard. You just want the hustle plays. And the whole team feeds off of it. And I was even reading some stuff this morning 
I've read a lot of stuff this morning because it's been fun. It's one yeah. game. Yeah, there's a ton of content out there because everyone feels good about it. And, and even some of the national program guys changing are win. I mean, you, we were you the got, team of the day from Dickie V. You got national guys talking about Casey Tomanaga and how electric he is, and John Rothstein said he's the most exciting player in the Big Ten, and I think that that's a fair statement. Yeah, and, and so a lot of people who don't follow Nebraska basketball closely, they're learning about this year's team. And so some of the pieces that I was reading this morning were about Sam Hoiberg. And one even contends that he is the most important player on the Nebraska roster. And, and it's all based on energy, hustle, buy-in, and it, the way it infiltrates throughout that locker room. Well, and the one player we haven't even talked about yet, almost had a triple-double, Bryce Williams last night, off a bum ankle, doesn't practice after the Wisconsin game on Saturday. Game-time decision, according to... Hoiberg, he goes and he drops nine points, 11 rebounds, nine assists. And a block. And a block. That a couple block, of blocks, I think, wasn't it? Well, there was a very important block on Zach Eady, which was kind of the, a lot of times the exclamation mark mm-hmm. of a basketball game is a run-out dunk at the end or a dagger three. Mm-hmm. For me, the exclamation point was Bryce Williams, who was giving up, up, giving up what, seven inches to Zach Eady? Yeah blocking him from behind. The ball bangs off the backboard, and Nebraska gets it, and it's a wasted possession for Purdue. And that, I think, really just put the stamp on the win um, for Nebraska. This this is great, right? Talking about an upset win over the number one team in the country, and the Huskers, as it sits right now, 13-3 and overall. They're in the upper half of the Big Ten Conference. Of the 13 wins, five are against Power 5 opponents, Three quad one wins, and there are 15 games left to play in the regular season. Huge feather in the cap for their postseason postseason resume. And I know, I know of an AP voter who said <laughs> that if they win against Iowa on Saturday, they're probably in the, in in the top 25. How could you not? He's sitting right across from me. Well, they're they're. There have been a couple of times where I've filled out my ballot. And I'll say, generally speaking, 20 to 25 is probably the hardest part of submitting a weekly ballot for There's the AP like Top what, 25. probably 15 teams that could go in there, right? Yeah, you know, and, and, and it's difficult because most, most weeks there's a team that was between 15 and 20 that lost. Mm-hmm. So how bad is the loss and how far do you slide them? So – Typically, 20 to 25 is going to be a team that maybe fell out of the top 20. Or is it a team that was in the receiving votes that jumps in? Or is it a team that's like a mid-major team? And right now, Grand Canyon's got a case to be in the NCAA tournament. So I spent some time this past week looking at Grand Canyon. And would I put them in the top 20? No, but they're right in that 20 to 25 range. So to try to fully explain this from a... a voters perspective as i'm looking at the 20 to 25 for next week you start thinking of how these teams would play head to head and who truly is the better team and based on what i've seen from nebraska because there have been a few moments this year after they beat oregon state and what were they at one point uh 11 and 2 mm-hmm. you start to think like maybe maybe they're in the conversation 2025 i haven't done it i have not put them on my ballot yet but they've crossed my mind. They've never had the win that would be big enough to put them in. Michigan State was maybe the moment that it's like, but you, again, you look at some of those other teams that are in the same discussion, and I just 
could not quite say Nebraska's a top five, a 25 team. But I think now, if they exit this week with a 14-3 and record, with six Power 5 wins, three Quad 1 wins, and they're going to be probably around 40 in the net, 45 in the Ken Palm. For me, that's a, that's not saying Nebraska is a top twenty-five mm. team. I'm saying that that resume, that's a top twenty-five resume. And just even having this conversation, something I don't think I've ever really been a, a part of as a you know Husker basketball fan going over the past 10, 15 years. They've never really been in this spot to even like be in the conversation of like. And so that's why again, why this is an exciting time. Well, they have twenty eighteen um, would be a year. It, it's more like bubble talk with Nebraska, mm-hmm. and sometimes the bubble talk, the bubble gets burst in early March, and sometimes they go to the Big Ten tournament, and it's like, well, if they pick up two or three wins at the conference tourney, maybe, maybe. They're, in, they're in the discussion. And even the year that they qualified for the NCAA tournament with No Sit Sunday, No mm-hmm. Sit Sunday was the moment in which it seemed like a sure deal that Nebraska was going to go to the tournament. No Sit Sunday was the last game of the regular season. We're talking about this in in the middle of January. January. And so just to share this with you, because this is a part of my, uh, is maniacness the word? (laughs) Well, I think we'll just say mania. Part of my mania. Here are the first round sites of the NCAA tournament in 2024. Yes, I've looked this up over the past (laughs) 24 hours. Brooklyn, Charlotte, Indianapolis, Omaha, Pittsburgh, Salt Lake City, and Spokane, Washington. Nebraska would not go to Omaha. No. So let's just rule that out right now. But that means if you're a fan and you want to think about maybe taking a trip in the middle of March and being a part of March Madness, there's your options. There's some good, very good options there. So what's the magic number for Nebraska to get into the NCAA tournament? Right now they're at 13 wins with 15 games to go. So they could max out at 28. It's not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> they could bottom out at 13. So you got to figure they're right there in the middle. Like, let's yeah. just say they go 500. Yeah. Which I think is reasonable. Yeah. If they go, if they go eight and five, that puts Nebraska at twenty-one wins, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're in. Yeah. And I think is again, my math right there. I'm not a good math guy. No, no, you're right. Thirteen and wins, eight more. They're at twenty-one with that resume and a win over a number one ranked team. That that qualifies for the NCAA tournament. Well, and just looking at their schedule the rest of the year, it's. I mean, it's not easy by any means, but, like, it's pretty manageable. I mean, you're at Iowa and at Rutgers the next two games. And you have to think, again, the Iowa team is down from what Fran McCaffrey's had the last couple years. You know, Rutgers is always a tough tough place to play in Jersey Mike's Arena. But then you got Northwestern at home, Ohio State at home. you got Wisconsin again at home. You do have to go okay, to Illinois. So I'm going I'm to pause you because you just went right into the teeth of it. Wisconsin and Illinois. But mm-hmm. look at the games that's ahead of that. The back-to-back roadies with Iowa, Rutgers, mm-hmm. and then home against Northwestern, Northwestern and, and Ohio, Ohio State. State. It's conceivable to believe that Nebraska might be favored in all, all four of those games. I'm yeah. not saying they will, but I think that those are four possible wins. Yeah. So if Nebraska picks up three of four, two of two, again, you're st- if, if they go two of two in the stretch, they're at 15 wins. Yeah. And they like, have six weeks left in the season. So they're in a really nice spot. And there have been very few times that I think you could really say they've played some bad basketball this year. Second half against Minnesota. And then, again, most of the Creighton game just it got away from them. 
But other than that, again, the, the loss against Wisconsin, they still shot the ball great. They scored points. It's just the defensive intensity wasn't quite there. Didn't match certainly what they had last night against Purdue. But, they again, they're playing good basketball. And that was Wisconsin's second-best game of the year, the mm. best coming against Marquette. But Wisconsin played very, very well over this past weekend when Nebraska was up in Madison. Um, the one thing we haven't said here, Bill, is the Fred Hoiberg effect. You know, the journey with Fred Hoiberg at Nebraska, it, it, it's, it's been challenging. And you think of some of the ways that the roster has turned over over the past few years, and it seems like some of the pieces didn't quite fit with what Fred wanted to get done. So the, without Fred saying it, I think everybody knows that there have been some trying times for him as a coach. And, you know, the transition back to the college game. And with all the things that have changed within college basketball over the past five years, with the transfer portal, with the COVID year, with NIL, like the game is so different than when he was coaching at Iowa State. And so for me, you know, in the position I'm in, I, I really try not to be a fan. Mm -hmm. But it's hard not to be happy for individuals that you get to know and cover. I am so – this is my overarching thought of last night beyond – Wow, that was really fun to be a part of. Secondly, I was just really happy for Fred Hoiberg because he got a big one. And the fact that he didn't have a big one did not mean he's a bad coach. But he got a big one. Kent Pavelka said it. Sign your name, Fred Hoiberg. There's your signature win. And there could be more big wins on the horizon, too. Mm -hmm. Because this team plays hard. I really believe that they have full buy-in to this coaching staff and the schematics of what they want to get done. So I, I'm, I'm really happy for Fred Hoiberg. Exciting times ahead for the men's basketball team, for sure. Uh, again, their next game at Iowa, that's on Saturday. Friday. 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 8.30 tips at 8. That's kind of a late tip. Well, you know why? Nebraska-Iowa wrestling precedes, oh. and that wrestling duel is here in Lincoln. So right. for fans that are going to be at home on Friday night, Watch wrestling at 6.30. Mm -hmm. Keep it locked in to the Big Ten Network. You get wrestling and then Nebraska-Iowa basketball immediately after. All right. There we go. And uh, don't want to leave out, again, the women's team. They're having a great season as well. Amy Williams, their squad's 11-4, and 3-1 and one in the conference. Their next matchup is uh, Illinois. Um, that's tomorrow, 7 p.m. Um, it's supposed to be at PBA. There is some incoming weather, so I'm not sure how much of a crowd they'll be there. But Amy Williams and crew, uh, again, they've had a good run. Uh, Jordan Hooper just had her jersey retired uh, a couple days ago, last game. The game didn't go the way they wanted to, but, again, nice to see her back in that uh, – what year was it again now, the 2013-2014 team? Yeah, it was, it's, it's the 10-year anniversary of Nebraska's Big Ten championship team. With uh, it, Most of the team was back, too. That was yeah. awesome. It was Jordan yeah. Hooper, Lindsey Moore, uh, Emily Cady, Haley Sample – I mean, really awesome. They had over 40 alumni back for the game on Sunday when Jordan got her jersey retired. And as that game started to get a little sideways, <laughs> I bet Amy Williams wishes she could have just pulled a few of the girls out of the crowd because <laughs> they looked like they could still play. And if they could just put Jordan in the corner and let her shoot there a couple go. of threes. Uh, but that was a very awesome ceremony, and it was so good to see Jordan Hooper back in Lincoln this past weekend. Um, and her jersey's now hanging in the rafters mm -hmm. along with Martise Ivy, Karen Jennings, and uh, Kelsey Griffin. Certainly a deserving individual to get that very prestigious honor. 100%. Um, and it's also, you know, it's the college football season now is officially done. 
Michigan is your national champion. Do you have any thoughts on kind of what we saw in terms of the college football playoff, Michigan's performance, anything in there? Semifinals were great. They were. Those were awesome games. Championship, eh. Kind of was. was what it was. Yeah, I, th- I think everybody was hoping for Washington to maybe make a second half run and try to push Michigan a little bit more down the stretch than they did. But um, the Wolverines r- ran the table this year, undefeated season. Bill, if you remember, after they came to Lincoln and beat Nebraska in late September, what did we talk about? They were th- really good. That that looked like a national championship they team. They were really good. And lo and behold, they end up uh, hoisting the trophy in college football. It changes next year. The playoff expands, and it's going to be a little bit more difficult for some of those teams to win a title, I would believe. There's just mm. going to be more teams in the mix. Do you think Jim Harbaugh jumps to the NFL? I have no idea. I don't know either. I don't know. I There's mean, he, more jobs open in the NFL right now, too. Mm. I mean, in my mind, it's like, you're in such a good spot. Why leave? But he also has all the kind of other scandal things looming. Jim, Jim Harbaugh seems like... A guy that's insanely difficult to predict also. And just to nail down in one spot for more than a couple minutes. Feels like he's always on the move doing something. So a lot of people believe that the one job in the NFL maybe he was keeping his eye on was the Chicago Bears. Mm -hmm. And the Bears made the decision this morning to keep Matt Eberflus. So that job is not open. However, now the Seahawks job is open because Pete Carroll is done. Uh, That's where, like, the NFL, my goodness, it's like the regular season gets done and then the next – 72 hours are just absolute chaos Mm -hmm. with instability uh, in the front office and then with the coaches. And it takes a lot of time to try to, like, keep up with everything. Mm -hmm. It's hard to keep up with everything, so it takes a lot of time to, like, make a mental Rolodex of what jobs are open, which jobs are not, who's doing what draft-wise, what are they doing with the roster. Because some teams, you know, like in the Seahawks instance – Pete Carroll was a huge advocate of Geno Smith. So if Pete Carroll is, don, is, Gino is gone, gone, is Geno are they going to completely blow it up and go in a different direction? Mm-hmm. So, sorry I got off on an NFL <laughs> tangent, but you kind of lured me into that. I did. I did. Some some Jim Harbaugh talk. All right. So, switching gears again, Husker Volleyball again. Last time we talked, kind of in this setting, was when you were down in Tampa with the Final Four. Obviously, that didn't go the way the Huskers uh, wanted it to go. But uh, since the season has ended, there's been some roster turnover, some transfers in, some transfers out. What have you kind of made of what John Cook's done with his roster this offseason? Taylor Landfair coming to Lincoln is huge. She is good. Yes. Um, So I know there might be some concern with some of the players leaving. Mm -hmm. If you focus on those that are coming in, there should be some peace and like, I, I, but it's hard. Fans get attached to players. Mm-hmm. Allie Batenhorst, uh, a fan favorite. Now so she's transferring. So four players have exited the program: mm-hmm. Caroline Jurovicious, Hayden Kubik, Allie Batenhorst. Who am I leaving out? Uh, Maybe it was just three. Yeah. Sorry, Ma- for the Maggie data. Mendelson. Maggie Mendelson. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, two of those, Caroline and Maggie, are going to go to Penn State. Yes. So um, you'll see them on the other side of the net. But yeah. This is college athletics in 2024. The portal is open. Mm-hmm. Players can move. Um, I've heard some rumblings of where Allie Batenhorst is going to end up. I'm not going to share those publicly because I can't firmly say that, and I don't want to mislead any mm-hmm. listeners or viewers. Um, but I know Allie even put a video out on uh, TikTok basically trying to share a little little bit without sharing too much. And you, 
you just got a hint of sincerity there that it was a very, very difficult decision for her. Um, and if there was a time for her to make a move, this would be it. She's going to mm-hmm. stay on Nebraska's campus, get her degree, and then she's going to pursue um, her master's mm-hmm. elsewhere. So timing-wise, it, it kind of lines up. Not to mention, you know, John Cook has done such a phenomenal job recruiting. You continue to get the best players in the country. And the, he he had, what, back-to-back t- number one recruiting classes? Like how – there's only so many spots to go around. And, and, and these girls want to play. Yeah. And so, I don't know what the phrase is. There's there's a phrase out there that would probably apply to what I'm trying to say about, like, it's the curse of riches. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you, ha- you have it so good. You almost have it too good. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible to keep everybody happy. Yep. So, in the case of a few of these players, you know, they could either fight for a spot at Nebraska and maybe spend a season on the bench or go somewhere else. And be a starter right away. And be an impact player. Yeah. Um, and plus, you have incoming groups. Skylar Pierce is coming to Nebraska to play. Mm-hmm. She's not coming to Nebraska to sit on the bench. So, and just how does like, that, how just does like that happen Murray, with the current yeah. roster? But, with all this said, Lexi Rodriguez is coming back. Lindsey Krause is going to be back. She's going to be healthy. Becca Alex is going to be back. You know, Andy like, Jackson. Like, the core of your team, it's easy to get fixated on the newsworthy notes of the players leaving. Mm-hmm. But there is no newsworthy note that, hey, Lexi's coming back for her senior year. And, hey, Andy Jackson's going to be in a, her sophomore season. I mean, that's just assumed. Yeah. So you don't read about it. Yeah. But that's just as much a part of the offseason story for Nebraska volleyball as any. And then switching gears again to football, Husker football. Last time we talked, Dylan Rayola was committed to Georgia. That obviously changed, and he's working full-time for the Huskers now. Was even in town this last weekend helping recruit some portal additions. Yeah, added a wide receiver from Texas, Isaiah Nair, I believe, and a running back from Oregon, Dante Dowdell. What have you uh, kind of made of the Husker football offseason thus far? Well, Matt Rule was there last night, too, storming the court with all that. Got the... to chat with Matt very briefly before yeah. the game. He said his wife's out of town, and he had the girls, so he took them <laughs> to the basketball game. And I'm sure everybody has seen the video where Matt Rule was – on the court after the game alongside Trev Alberts. He had his girls with him as well, and that's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, but, yeah, Matt and his staff has been really hard at work, and tonight is the Outland Trophy presentation in Omaha. Chase Madison, for us, is going to be heading up to Omaha because um, not only do they present the Outland Trophy, they also have the Nebraska Senior Award recipients. Mm-hmm. They're, all gonna, they're also going to receive their awards tonight, so Ethan Piper, Luke Reimer, Nick Henrich, all going to be in attendance. That's going to be awesome to – uh, see those guys and hear from them again. Uh, and then, you know, to answer your question, though, Bill, about what's, what do I make of what's happened with Nebraska, it's no different than any other team right now. There are comings, there are goings. However, with Nebraska, they just got the number one quarterback uh, in the country in terms of the 2023 recruiting class. And uh, they've added a couple of pieces that are probably going to vie for playing time right away. They got a lineman today, too, from Florida oh. um, with starting experience. He's a guard. All right. And, um, if you're wondering who's going to maybe take the spot that Ethan Piper vacates uh, on the offensive line, might have just found it. There you go. So they're, they're, they're not just getting guys. They're getting pieces that fit. Mm-hmm. That's my impression. Not just taking guys to take guys to fill the roster. Correct. Which, again, they're over, over spots on the roster anyway, and they're going to have to somehow find a way to whittle that down. But the semester starts January 22nd, so in 12 days, I think the players are reporting 
I think maybe this week. This weekend, correct. And then they'll start their winter conditioning and their mat drills and all that stuff. So and There's going to be snow on the ground of Memorial Stadium, so look forward to seeing some <laughs> of those videos. And Oh, oh yeah, it's going to be stupid cold. And I want to ask you one of the last things here, Kevin. There's kind of been some rumblings out there. Dana Holgerson potentially maybe joining the Husker staff. Any thoughts on... I don't have any inside track on that, but I have heard a little bit about it. Um, would be an interesting hire, that's for sure. He ran Air Raid down at... Houston and West Virginia before that was an excellent quarterback coach. I think at Oklahoma State even before that. So he's got a history of working with quarterbacks. Well, if there's one position that maybe needs a little bit of extra attention <laughs> after what happened last season, it would be at the quarterback spot. So maybe Matt Rule um, is on the hunt for somebody to specifically look at the quarterbacks. And if that's the case, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, Marcus Satterfield handled the quarterbacks last year, but he's also the offensive coordinator in managing all the offensive positions. So I wouldn't be shocked if it happens, and it kind of makes a little bit of sense too. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure Matt Rule, with his connections within the coaching profession, uh, if there's a guy he wants to get that is currently unemployed, he could probably go get him. All right. And you said lastly, and we've, we've gone kind of off topic here and thrown some stuff at the wall. We're not going to end this without talking about Nash Hutmaker, right? No, the polar bear who is a svelte, Wait, which 285 now. Does everybody know he's the polar bear? I don't think everyone knows. I know, but I don't think everyone knows. But I think knows. the common fans don't know that Nash Hutmaker is nicknamed the polar bear. Mm -hmm. So during our coverage on Saturday night, when Nash Hutmaker makes his collegiate wrestling debut, and he wins by pin in the first period, which is flat out incredible, he's a big dude. Large. And he trimmed 40 pounds to get on the wrestling mat collegiately. In our coverage, Chase referred to him as the polar bear. My wife looked at me with the most puzzled <laughs> look, like, what in the world are we talking about here? Yeah. So she, and I'm sure many other middle-aged females, would have no idea that Nash <laughs> Hutmaker is the polar bear. My wife However, included. there was a, some artwork done by the University of Nebraska before the wrestling duel. You know where I'm going oh, with this. Oh, it was really cool. Where it is a, in, in, an image of a polar bear trudging through the snow in a, and he's in a singlet and he's walking toward the Devaney Center. And that's how they announced that Nash Hutmaker would be wrestling on Saturday against Wyoming. It was awesome. So tip of the cap to the graphics department at the University of Nebraska. They do so many awesome things. Oh, yeah. That might be my favorite. It's, it's, yeah, it's definitely up there. That it was super cool to see that the wrestling team uh, tweeted it out, and I know then the, the the main Huskers account was was using it too. So but you think you think he's going to have a pretty good year on the wrestling mat? Yeah, yeah. In high school, he never lost. Yeah, he's a four time state champion who went undefeated for four years, and he was even competing at the high school varsity level as a seventh and eighth grader in South Dakota. Like, he is a wrestler who plays football. <laughs> Some Husker football fans would like to argue against me that he's a football player who also wrestles. No. But if you look at his individual success in the sport of wrestling, he's a wrestler. And he's really good at it. And he's now with Mark Manning's team. And, uh, again, he had to get down to weight. He, his, his football roster said he was at 330 during the football season, 325 or 330. He just wrestled at 285. And you can do the math there. He trimmed a lot of weight, trained with the team, brushed up on those wrestling skills. He's 1-0 with a pin, 
And we'll see what happens on Friday because Nebraska welcomes a perennial power. Number two, Iowa. I think, Iowa. Iowa's ranked number two. They're going to wrestle at the Devaney Center. That duel starts at 6.30. And I love it every year when Nebraska and Iowa wrestle. It's pretty, it's pretty heated. Now, mm-hmm. Iowa is the better program in terms of uh, historic success, mm-hmm. more recent national champions. I get that. But it seems like Nebraska, every time they're up for the task, they give, they give them a battle. I'm a big fan of Mark Manning. I can't wait to see it at home. I always do. But now you throw in this Nash Hutmaker piece, Friday night, sign me up. What do you think would be you know, more challenging? You know, working on the defensive line against Big Ten offensive linemen or being on the mat against these Big Ten wrestlers? I don't know. On the, on the line, you have more bodies. It's true. On the mat, it's just one-on-one. It's just one-on-one. You're in the spotlight. Yeah. I don't know. Question we'll have to ask him sometime. Yep. So. All right. Anything else, Kevin? No, I think we, 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 we covered touched a lot. a lot of bases. You want to we, talk Nebraska softball while we're at it? They start practice soon. Jordy Ball? Jordy Ball. Have they put more seats in Bowling Stadium yet? I don't know. That's a good question. All right. We'll, we'll get fo- on that. We'll follow up. Their on season it. opener is just over a month away. B- baseball's got to be opening then, too, soon. If softball's opening, they're going to do their you know Texas swing here probably in February, right? You know where the softball team uh, opens the year? Mexico. Oh. In February. Oh, my. Doesn't sound bad. No, it doesn't. Well, maybe we can talk to Michael and get you sitting down there. It's going to be a big deal. Jordy I wouldn't balls. argue. <laughs> All right. Well, Kevin, thanks, as, uh, thanks uh, as always for your time. It's much appreciated. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, for watching. Again, as always, keep it tuned to 1011, both on air and online, for all of your latest news, sports, and weather. Hope everyone uh, stays warm. It's going to be a little chilly. A little chilly. 30 below, maybe, this weekend. Temperatures fit for a polar bear. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks, for everyone, for watching. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the End Report Husker Show from 1011. Watch, listen, and stream on the 1011 Now app on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch the End Report on 1011 Sports at 6 and 10 p.m. and download the 1011 Now app.